Um, so, yeah, so I introduced you to, to uh, and he's just going to play for another two minutes or three minutes because I love it. I mean, I, I would ask you to stay up here the whole time, but that's probably asking too much. I know it's, I, yeah. You make anything sound good when you're playing piano. I could like be reading from phone directory. It sound good. <laughs> I introduced you to some folks up here earlier, uh, our graduates of Kingdom Boot Camp. And um, I want to put those folks because they are, you know, special and, 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 you know, an exclusive club that nobody else can attain to. They're not. They're just the first ones that have gone through, and we're going to be offering Kingdom Boot Camp again in the spring. Um, I want every, every single King's family member to, to have gone through that because um, I believe that kingdom power and kingdom ministry is God's call for every single one of us. It's not just for, you know, those of us on stage or those of us with certain giftings or certain qualifications or degrees. It is available to every single believer, every single follower of Jesus um, to do the power and the ministry and uh, ministry of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we believe that, I mean, it comes from a number of places, but I want to point out a couple different places in Scripture that, that this idea comes from. Um, one of those we call the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew 28. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, we'll have it up here on the screen as well. Um, A lot of us think that the Great Commission really just applies to evangelism, you know, to, to missions work, you know, and, and we, how many of you have been on a short-term or long-term missions trip somewhere, maybe regionally to, you know, different part of the United States or overseas? Okay, a lot of us have. I remember my first mission trip was in 1997. I went to Northern Ireland um, for, for a short season just to do some, you know, evangelism and soccer clubs for kids and VBS and those kind of things. Um, Meg and I have always kind of had a, a heart for international missions long-term because um, Meg has been to Ecuador and Mexico and some other places, but the Lord has just never opened up that door for us. Um, and part of that is because he said, look, your mission field is right here in the U.S., you know, so he's given us a mission field. Um, but I think it's easy, it's easy to sort of see Matthew 2018 is just applying to uh, to, to those that go far into the far-off countries um, to do ministry, but it's, it's really the, the commission for every single believer, every single person who calls on the name of the Lord who wants to follow Jesus. So I just want to read this to us briefly, talk about it. I want to give you another one found in the Old Testament, um, and just give you a few, a few encouraging words before we eat. Is that okay? All right. So Matthew 28 um, obviously, if you've got your Bibles open in front of you, this is the last chapter in the book of Matthew. Um, and Matthew is one of, one, of the apostles, one of the apostles who is, um, you know, telling the story or telling the, the, the details of who Jesus was and what he did and his ministry. Um, and at the end, he's telling us sort of this, this final, these final account, these final words of Jesus to his disciples. I love first words and I love last words. You guys ever kind of gone and, you know, maybe seen those things on the internet talks about famous people's last words before they die? You know, some of them are, are very touching. Some are very disturbing, you know. I, I don't remember any. I won't quote them now, you know. But I always kind of find this fascinating is what, are, what is the last thing that Jesus said? What is, the, what is the last thing that he left ringing in our ears? And according to Matthew's gospel, this is one of the last things that he said. 
So it says this in 28, beginning in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. By the way, why are there 11 disciples? Where's the 12th one? Judas. Judas made some terrible choices, and he's no longer with the 12 because of his own choosing. Acts tells us that he went out and he hung himself because of the heartache of betraying Jesus. So there's 11 left. Um, earlier in this chapter, it, it, they, they encounter Jesus, and Jesus says, basically, go. I want to, they're in Jerusalem when Jesus is raised from the dead. He says, I want you to go back to the north, to Galilee. Galilee was sort of their hometown. It's where they were from. It's where Jesus lived and where he called his disciples. And he tells them, the 11, go back to Galilee, to the mountain, and wait for me there. And we don't know exactly what mountain it is. Some scholars say it's Mount Tabor. There's, there's only a few sort of, you know, significant mountains in Galilee. The, the gospel writers don't tell us exactly what mountain it was or even why Jesus said to go to a mountain. We can speculate a lot of powerful things in Jesus' ministry happened on mountains. You know, he went up with his disciples to, to the Mount of Transfiguration, and there they saw this supernatural revelation of Jesus with, you know, uh, with, with, with these, these two other Old Testament characters. Um, but we don't really know why he was there or why he said, but he did. In 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. I want you to look at 17 carefully. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. All right, to be honest, how many of you have never read that verse? I want to tell you, I've read that verse, but I've never read that verse until, like, honestly, this week. How do you read something? How do you, how do you like, have read the Bible for years and years and never seen something? I don't know, but I, hit, I did until I, like, read it. I was like, wait a minute, what? When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some, how did I never see that? And what does that mean, and why does that bother me so much? And I, I think there's, just some, there's something beautiful about that because, honestly, that's, that kind of describes my life a lot. Maybe it describes your life a lot. You know, we kind of have this mixture of, like, you know, the good and the bad, this mixture of worship and adoration of Jesus, but at the same time, there's also some fear thrown in there, some doubt thrown in there. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't say that some of them had unbelief. There's a difference in unbelief and doubt. Unbelief is unbelief. Unbelief is like, hey, I... I don't know who this Jesus character is, but I don't, it's not for me. Unbelief says you don't even go up onto the mountain. But doubt says, you know what, I'm not sure about this, but I'm going to make my way up to the top. How many of you, how many of you have been there? You know, you got, you got just enough belief to make you climb the mountain, but you're not totally free of it yet. Part of you thinks, man, this is, I don't know about this. And even when they see him, even when they see Jesus, it says they saw him and they worshiped him. But some doubted. And think about this. You know, these, these, are ones, uh, these are ones who have walked with Jesus. These are ones who have heard him. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him do uh, these incredible things. You know, they've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They've seen him speak to demons, and the demons would Im immediately leave an individual. They've seen him walk on water for crying out loud. In fact, they've also, they've also, they saw him hanging on the cross, dead, put into the tomb, and they, they, they know that he was raised back from the dead. He appeared to them, and he told them to go wait upon the mountain. So how in the world is there doubt? How is there doubt mixed in with this? I, I don't know. But I take a little bit of comfort in that, you know, because there's still a place for you and I on the mountain, even though there's some doubt that's there. You guys, take comfort in that. That God doesn't call us to be rid of all of our junk before he calls us up on the mountain. Y'all, somebody say amen to that. Come on. 
That's good news for me. I don't know if it's good news for you, but I love that. I love that Jesus says, look, even if you have doubt, come on up. There's still a place for you. So it says that, that, that when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And here's the cool thing is that sometimes our destiny is discovered in the season of our deepest doubt. Sometimes that is the time when you're going to discover, really, this is what I'm made to do. This is what I'm created to do. It's in a season where you're just surrounded by doubt. So if that's where you are now, if you're just like, if your mind is kind of filled with uncertainty about things, good news for you. Sometimes your destiny is like right around the corner, you know? So he tells them, he says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said this. I want you to pay attention. There's going to be four what the English teachers call superlatives. Superlatives are those words that are like the all words or the everything kind of words. Am I right, English teachers? Do I have that right? Okay, if I'm not right, then at least not and make me feel better right now. I don't know what it is. You know, but there's going to be four of these in here. So let's read it. He begins with this one. Then Jesus came in and said, all, there's the first one, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of, say it, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. Here's the third one. All things or everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Yeah, I know that's a stretch. To the very end of the age. And this is what we call the Great Commission. It's, and it's, it's, it's pretty daunting to look at this because he's essentially redirecting our life. Our life is aimed one way and he's saying, oh, by the way, now I'm going to aim your life this way. You thought your life was about this. Actually, it's about this. I've been doing these things. I have all authority that's been given to me. Now, fire, you go and you're going to be making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what does, that, what does that practically mean? First of all, it means that, that, that we're continuing the ministry of Jesus because these are the things that he did, right? He made disciples. He called them to be baptized. He called them to, to be baptized into this new life. He's teaching them to obey the things that he commanded. He's, he's now passing that off to us. You parents ever do this? Like whenever you leave some of your older kids at home, you know, it's like, okay, I'm leaving. Mom and I are going out. And you, oldest one, you're in charge. So you need to make sure that the kids get their teeth brushed. You need to make sure that they get baths. Make sure they don't drown. Please make sure the house doesn't burn down to the ground before we come back. I'm going to come back, but in the meantime, you're responsible for this. Your parents do that? And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away for a while, but while I'm gone, the ministry that I began needs to continue through you guys. So you're going to do the same things that I'm doing. You're going to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You know what? And this is how it connects to KC 101, or um, the Kingdom Boot Camp, by the way, because I used to read this, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I used to think of those as like the really hard command, like the boring commands, you know, like don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance too close to the girls, you know, don't watch R-rated movies. You know, I used to think that we have, we're supposed to teach people to don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. Shame, 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 shame. And there, obviously there are things that the Bible says don't do because they're bad for us and they violate our relationship. But I begin to think about what, what are the other things that Jesus taught us to do? 
Well, that's one of the things we looked at in Kingdom Boot Camp. He taught us to go out and to heal the sick. He told us to do that. He told us to go out and to cast, de- cast demons out of people. He told us to go out and, you ready for this? Raise the dead. Anybody raise the dead this week? You know, one day, I, prom- I, prom- I promise you, one day, Brian, one day I'm going to ask that as people are going to raise their hands. We're going to see that in our generation. Because Jesus told us to do it, and he said, do it, and teach others to do the same thing. So right there, I just summed up why we do this, why we do church, why we do kingdom boot camp, because we're continuing the ministry of Jesus, we're teaching you, you can do the same things that Jesus did. And here's a cool thing. So teaching you to obey everything I command, and look at what he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Look, there's three superlatives in there. Surely I am with you. Like, without a doubt, unquestionably, I'm going to be with you guys every single moment, all the way up until the very end of the age when I come back. Y'all are asleep today. Come, Sasha, you're not. I'm, I'm preaching to Sasha, all right? I'm preaching to you, sister. Y'all can just listen on. All right. So that's the Great Commission. This is what Jesus tells us to do. Go out and do these things. You know, he doesn't call us all to go overseas and go to the mission field. He says, as you're you're living your life, as you're going, that's what this Greek word means, as you're going, do these things. So we're going to take that seriously. And I want to jump over. So there's one Great Commission, and I believe we can do this. Jump backwards to Joshua chapter 1. There's another commission in here. It's not quite the Great Commission, but it's a good commission, right? <laughs> so, do you know the story of Joshua, by the way? You know, okay, we've been preaching a lot on Exodus and Moses, how the people called, you know, God called the people of Israel out of Let my people go through the Red Sea, into the desert. Where are they going? They're going to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. They crossed over, and they're coming into the promised land. And, and because of some bad things that have happened, God says, Moses, I'm not going to let you go in and take the land with the people. You're going to have to stay here. But you're, I'm, Joshua is actually going to be the one who leads the way. Joshua is like the number one under Moses, you know? And Joshua is going to be the one who is like going to lead people into this conquest, this invasion of Canaan. After 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness, now they're going to do what God says for them to do. So let's read in Joshua chapter 1. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, This is what God says, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. I could almost preach on that verse alone. We have authority to reclaim territory in the name of the king. We have authority to take back what the enemy has taken. Let's begin to get our eyes, not just on this church here. Let's get our eyes on our community. Let's get our eyes, let's get ambition for the city of Lexington. Let's get ambition for the king for the state of Kentucky. I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. King's Church. No one 
will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. You can almost hear Jesus saying these things to us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is awesome. Look at verse 6. Be strong. Somebody say, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Here he says it again. Be strong and very courageous. Why do you think he needs to say that twice? He actually says it three times. Why do you think he needs to say it three times? Because we need to hear it. Why? Because at that moment, we're feeling everything but strength and courage. Why do you think Jesus looks at them and says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age? Why do you think they have doubt in their minds? I don't think they're doubting. I don't think they're doubting that Jesus is who he says he is. I think they're doubting that they can do what he's called them to do if he's not right there with them. We can do awesome stuff, Jesus, because you're right here with us. You know, if we mess up, you're going to step in to fix it. I can walk on water, Jesus, if you're out there and you're calling me towards you. But Jesus says, I'm about to go away and prepare a place for you. And I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't help but think that there's a, ma- a level of doubt that's there as they're, they're up on this mountain. They realize what's happening. It's like when your little kids, you ever, do, you ever notice that like your kids, your little toddlers, they can hear the jingle of the keys? Or maybe your dogs can hear the jingle of the keys and they flip out. You know, they either run to get their coats or they run and they park themselves in front of the door. Don't leave me. And I wonder if they're feeling the same way up on that mountain. God, don't. Jesus, don't do this. Come on, you're, you're, you're raised up from the dead. We showed the Romans who's the boss. Come on, we got excitement, we got momentum. Let's do this together. And they're afraid of what happens when he goes up there out of sight. And he says, guys, listen to me. You can do this. You can do this. You have authority. I've given it to you. You've seen me do these things. You have the same spirit. You're going to have the same spirit inside of you that's inside of me. I'm going to be with you through this. I'm going to be with you through this. It's the same heart from the Father that says this to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Keep on reading. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. This is the same thing that Jesus is saying. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to carry out this commission, it's going to depend deeply on you being committed to covenant faithfulness with me. You can't just go out there on your own. You're not going to make it. You've got, you got to stick to what I'm teaching you. You've got to stick to what I'm telling you. You've got to stick to what's in my word. Be strong, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn away from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. God's given us a map. We stick to it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, he says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. So in both commissions, God is asking someone to do hard things. Guess what, church? You're going to be called to do some hard things. For some of us, it was hard to say no to the things of the world and say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Is it hard to do that sometimes? Was it hard to let go 
of the past? What hard things is God asking of you and I? God's calling you into some deeper things. I believe it. Whether this is your first time here, whether you've been here since the very beginning, God is calling you. He's commissioning you for a deeper reality. And you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, I don't feel qualified. Perfect. That's what qualifies you. You heard the old the old axiom, God doesn't call the qualified. He what? Qualifies the called. <coughs> if you say yes to him, he has everything you're going to need. I saw this meme floating around on Facebook. I love this. I love this. When God called you, he factored in your stupidity. <laughs> Praise God for that. God calculated all that. All right, well, I'm going to call easily. He's got a pretty high level of stupidity. I want to adjust this a little bit. God knows this. But in both cases, there's also this promise of presence, and I want to end with that because nothing takes the place of God's presence. You know what? That's really what qualifies us. That's how... We're going to do what God's called us to do as a church. That's how these 30 individuals up here can lay hands and pray in authority. It's not because we've been trained in like, you know, this special ways of doing things. It's not because we memorized scripture. We didn't go to some conference. It's because we have just said yes to the presence of God in our hearts and in our lives. That's it. And we believe Jesus when he tells us that we can do things. Take him in his word. We believe it. Either Jesus is telling the truth or he's not. Either he's lying to us or he really wants us to do some things. And I see no evidence that Jesus is a liar. So it means he must be correct. He must be right. When he tells us to go out and to heal the sick and to lay hands on people, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, he must think that that's possible. And although it confounds my mind and my wisdom and my logic, Jesus has always proven himself to be true. So although it doesn't make sense to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him. Because <laughs> maybe he knows something I don't. And he is with us always. Man, that's the key. That's the key to doing anything. That's the key to ministry. That's the key to the life. That's just the key to everything is just the presence of God with us. So I just want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you today that, you know, if God's calling you into some deeper things, He's calling you to go deeper in a relationship with him. If he's calling you maybe to the, for the first time to step into a relationship with him, maybe you've always been on the outside and today you're thinking, look, this doesn't even apply to me. I'm not even in the family yet. God, I think God wants you in the family today. I want to pray with you about that today. I want you to come on. When we close up, I want to pray with you about that today. I want to introduce you to the family of God. But maybe some of us are like, we're in the family of God, but God's calling us to go take some steps of faith deeper in. Or maybe he's calling you up the mountain to use that other metaphor. And you have doubts, and God says, come on up. I'll take your doubts. But when you're up here, I have a call for you. I have a mission for you. And it's going to be hard, but I'm going to be with you. Be strong and courageous. Amen. Would you stand up this morning? Brian, come on up.
I just want us to worship together here at the end. I want to open up our, our front here at the altar. If we can pray with you about anything this morning, maybe even during before when we had a prayer time, maybe you just kind of want to press in for that again. Maybe you just were a little bit unsure and didn't raise your hand. We want to pray for you. I do have some words of knowledge that I want to share this morning. Um, if some of these resonate with you, we'll be up here at the front to pray with you. Um, and yeah, we'll just have about maybe five minutes, ten minutes of some ministry time as the Lord will lead. And then I'll give some instructions for how we're going to dismiss and go on for, for our feast. Let me read these to you, though. Some words of knowledge that, that we've gathered from our, some of our people that pray together. And these are some specific um, physical needs. So listen to this. Number one, I'm, I'm healing. Uh, as the Lord saying this. I'm healing someone with a ruptured disc. Keith? It may be for you. Hearing loss in the right ear, it's recently gotten worse. I haven't done this before, but if, if, if one of these connects with somebody, would you just raise a hand up? I know, we're being brave and bold today. All right. Left leg pain that shoots up from the foot and goes up to the leg. Left leg pain. Was that yours? Some of these were already hit. Um, severe pain when straightening out um, the elbow. Severe pain when you straighten out the elbow. Anyone? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, over there. Okay, sorry. Um, tightening of the throat and esophagus on the left side. Yeah, I know that's real zeroing in. Anybody with that? Okay. A word for someone from Jesus. Quote, the word is the word. Focus on scripture. What I have said is true, and there are secrets in there that will protect your soul from destruction. My word will guard your heart and secure my love in your heart. Number seven, an eating disorder. Listen to this. Today is your day of freedom. Just because your mother had it doesn't mean that you will. So... All right, if, if, if you raised your hand, if we can pray, maybe you didn't, maybe these words didn't hit with you, but you still have a need, come on to the front. Chuck, Sasha, you guys be here. Um, any other Kings, Kings uh, uh, Kingdom Boot Camp people, let's just be around, be, be, be up at the front and we can pray for some folks. All right, let's just do this, move into a time of ministry, all right? I'll give us some release words in a few moments.